Good evening, everybody. We are on our 92nd Q&A, the first one for the month of November. And we just thank God for bringing us through all these days. Thank God for today's pastor's conference for all the pastors who came. We just thank God for being with us through it all. Now, as we come to this time of answering questions, we are trusting God for the wisdom and the understanding. And before we start, Pastor Vidya, could you lead us in prayer? Father in heaven, we just want to thank you once again for this time that you blessed us with. Thank you, Lord, that you're a good God and that your mercy endures forever. And this evening, O oh Lord, even as we are here in your presence, O oh Lord, um, and with all your other saints joined all around the world, and even as we go through this time of uh, question and answers, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would anoint all of us afresh, your servant, even as he tackles these questions. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that every answer, O oh Lord Father, you would make it relevant to everybody who's hearing, to the situation that they're going through, that you would multiply the, uh, the blessing over this session, O oh Lord Jesus, that many, many people, O oh Lord Father, even in the coming days, will be blessed, O oh Lord. Come at this entire time into your hands, O oh Lord. We, pre- we plead the blood of Jesus over ourselves. Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, you would put a hedge of protection around us, O oh Lord Jesus, and bless us to be a blessing to many. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 So we'll start, Pastor Vijay. Yes, Pastor. Pastor, this is a kind of a follow-up question from last time. This is question number 13. Uh, You say that, this is question number 13. You you said that uh, we have been given a specific amount of time to complete the specific will of God in our life. The question is, how do we know what is the specific will of God? Earlier you told us that the one who knows the general, general will of God and does it, God will reveal the specific will to him. But I just can't see that in my life. So how can I know the specific will of God for my life? Amen. The first thing about time, which is true, we all all have only a specific amount of time. None of us know the amount of time we have, but everybody, nobody has unlimited time. Because the oldest man, Methuselah, also had to die. And <laughs> no, there is, man shall die. So we all have a specific time, limited mm. time. We do not know how much time we have. Then coming about the will of God, okay, uh, we need to understand first the concept about the general will of God, which is kind of easily revealed, and then discovering the specific will of God. If you turn with me to uh, the gospel according to Matthew, okay, Chapter 25, if you know, I, I don't want to read the whole chapter, but I'll just give you verses. Verse uh, 13. This is this has got to do with the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. And at the end of it, Jesus says, Watch therefore, for you do not know, neither know the day or the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Mm. So there is a warning over there. Five were wise, five were foolish. And they did not know the hour because they did not keep eye on the clock. Mm. Uh, this is saying in the context of him coming, but it also could be the context of us dying. Either, Either of it can yeah. catch us unawares. And uh, so what was the problem with the, uh, the foolish ones? They did not watch. And if you look at the, the issue there was with the oil. And we know, like if you had heard today, it was about hearing mm. the Spirit of God who speaks. God speaks about the Son to us through the Spirit. Mm. Okay, They did not hear. Their oil was gone. And then suddenly they came and you can't find oil. Mm. 
Like there are certain things in life, the kingdom of God, you have to buy. You have to be willing to pay a price. That's what I mean. Even in the book of Revelation, to the final church, Jesus says, buy, buy from me. me. Okay, buy from me. So that's the. Then if you look at the second parable immediately following that, which comes the parable of the talents. That's from verse 14. Okay. Watch therefore, yeah, verse 14. The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called, called his own servants, delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. So when God gives us, he gives us according to our own ability. So he will not judge me based on Pastor Vijay's ability. He will not judge him based on somebody else. Though we may be all pastors, each pastor is not judged the same way. Each one is judged according to the ability given by God. So he gave one five, another two, another one. And he went. Mm. And then if you come back, if you come to words 20 and 21, I guess. So he had received the five talents, came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you deliver to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. And what did the master say? The Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. That's what he says. Now, if you come to verse 22. He also who had received two talents and came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler of many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. You see, what he says to both of them is identical. He didn't expect the man who had two to bring five, ten. Mm. He expected him to bring four. Mm. And then, of course, we know the condemnation of the man who had only one. So the fundamental principle over here is one of the first things God looks us. Are you faithful? Mm. With what God has given you, are you faithful? If you turn with me to if I'm right, Second Corinthians or First Corinthians four two. Yes, Let me turn forward to, yes, yeah? Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. faithful okay? We are all stewards. Mm. We are all stewards. We own nothing. Everything that we have is God's. God gave us a body. God gave us a life. God saved us. Everything we have is God's. And God says, are you faithful? Are you faithful? Okay, and if you look at it, when you're talking about a specific call, never think about that specific call being a huge uh, history-changing mm. call. There are very few people in history called like that. But generally, we have to look, because if you're thinking, oh, I'm waiting for a call like Abraham and Moses and all, no, it does not happen. But everybody has a call, and everybody's call, if you're faithful to your call, your reward will be the same. See, one of the major mistakes people make is this, once they are saved, they're waiting for the call of Abraham. No, they're not faithful where they are. And women make these fundamental mistakes, especially if you have noticed, I mean, if you're not in church history. When a woman gets saved and gets baptized with the Holy Spirit, immediately she starts, gets into ministry. Mm. But God never called them. Mm. All they had to be is faithful at home and raise up godly children. Okay. Immediately the thing is that, you know, uh, the calling means I am into ministry. No, it's not that. We are all in ministry. 
one way or other, we are all in ministry. Some people are called and gifted. Some are called to be apostles. It's a gift. Mm. Okay. But other than that, now we come to Romans chapter 12, yes. where we know about the will of God. Okay. We know that from verse 1 and 2. Okay. Look at the context in which it is written. Okay. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may know, prove what is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Now look at verse 3. For I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. First thing is, don't think you are Abraham. Bah. Yes. Don't think you are Moses. There was only one Abraham, there was only one Moses. Okay, don't think, don't think highly. Okay, oh, I am saved, I am filled with the Holy Spirit, I am waiting for that call, God is going to call me out. No, he may not. What is he looking? But to think soberly, think very soberly, okay, think very soberly, like you are going on shopping. Think soberly, know the amount of money you have in your wallet. Mm. You don't want to order something for which you do not have the price to pay. Think soberly. The measure of grace, faith God has given you. In English we say, don't bite more than you can chew. Mm. You need to know your level of faith. You attempt, I will attempt great things for God. The question is, do. But do you have the faith to back it up? Mm. Because if you need grace, you need faith. If you need the power of God, you need the faith of God. And now let's come to verse 4. Okay? Verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. He's talking primarily the same thing which he talked in Corinthians with a difference. Mm. Verse 5. For being many are one body in Christ, individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according, according to, to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Yes, A prophecy, let us prophesy in, in proportion, proportion to our, our faith. faith. Yeah. So God is saying, if you have the gift of prophecy, mm-hmm. or you've been called to teach, expound the scriptures both ways. Okay? Are you faithful? Are you faithful? The first thing in prophesying, being faithful, is not in prophesying. It is spending time with God. Do you spend time with God? If you see the apostles learned it, they said, we have given ours continually over to the ministry of word and the prayer. The first thing God is saying, okay, I have given you a gift. Are you faithful? Mm. Because it is upon stewards to be faithful. Are you faithful? Or look at the next one. Or ministry. Let us use it in our ministry. He who teaches in teaching, a gift of a teacher. The gift of a teacher will not have the adulation of a shepherd or an evangelist. Or like in the five fingers, we talk about David's five stones. It is the apostle. And the apostle, first and foremost, in the kingdom of God is the apostle. That's why we use this illustration. Because if you cut the thumb off like you have in the scripture, cut, you can't hold anything. You can't fight a battle anymore because you cannot hold a sword anymore. That's why they cut their uh, thumb and their big toes off because he's unsteady in his walk. He cannot run anymore. He cannot fight anymore. So you take the apostles, oh, doctrine is lost. Without the apostolic doctrine, you do not have a church because the apostles are the only ones who have the living experience of being with Jesus. Okay, they are able to. They have heard, they have seen, they have touched, they walked with him, so their report is authentic. So, the thing is that apostle is there 
prophet is there, the pointing finger who comes and nations tremble before them, kings tremble before The evangelist is there standing up big because he's given supernatural gifts as an attestment or a testament of the power of the kingdom so that people will repent and come into the kingdom. That's his job. So he needs a different kind of a gift. Then comes the pastor. The pastor is the one who has authority in a church. He's the head of the church, not the apostle, not the prophet, nor the evangelist. It's the pastor, so that's the ring finger. So the pastor has authority. But the little finger, which is the teacher. Now, what does the teacher do? What does this little finger do? It makes the hand look beautiful. If this finger is missing, it looks awkward. So the teacher's job is to prepare the bride for Christ. So if you're called to be a teacher, you don't have as much bhav or as much status as the others. But the question is, would you be faithful? Mm. Would you be faithful to your call? Is the question. You've been given a gift. He who exhorts. A worship leader is primarily an exhorter. Mm. He exhorts. The question is, you're a worship leader. Are you faithful? Are you faithful? So that when you come over there, you have an exhortation to give the people. Your, your, your worship lifts people up. God is just looking at it. Wherever I have called you, are you faithful? Exhortation. Who gives with liberality? Who gives? Now, if you look at it, the NIV version of it helps. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think in Romans, uh, or it is, okay. If it is to contributing to the need of others, let him give generously. Okay. So now the thing is you need to realize is that if your gift is to give, you have to give generously. The reason is because your gift will operate in such a way if you are faithful, there will be an always an excess of supply into your life and you know very well this is forgiving. Everybody can't do this. Some have been gifted with this and they understand the nature of their gift. I am being blessed to be a blessing. This is specifically my gift. So the more faithful they are, there is an unstopping supply of God into their lives mm. because they are, they must have started giving with 10. Now they are faithful. They started giving 100. Now they are even more faithful. They're giving 1000. Now they're giving 1000. These are people like Colgate, the original Colgate started with giving 10%, ended up giving 99% because God prospered him and prospered him, prospered him. Why? He's, what did Colgate do in the kingdom of God? Just give. Mm. But others were blessed, the ministries, the kingdom of God blessed, because one man was faithful with the gift. So at the end of his story, they says that the one person he kept for him was more than that uh, 90% he kept for him in the beginning. Because God blessed him abundantly. Okay, So you need to understand, you know, if you ask Colgate, what is his specific will in God's kingdom? He would say to give. Now, who thinks that as a specific will of God? That is your specific will. Or let us say, it is leadership. Let him govern. Everybody can't be leaders. Everybody doesn't have the capacity to lead because leadership means you need to take a lot of strain, a lot of flack and set your face like a flint. Don't give in to pressure because you have to. That's the, that's the job of a leader because one of the reasons God says a woman should not lead is a woman is primarily a, a victim of her own emotions because God made her. And in leadership, you cannot give in to emotions. And whenever we talk about women leaders, have you noticed whenever we talk in history about women leaders, they were not primarily thinking like a woman. They were thinking like a man. Nobody used to talk about Indira Gandhi like a woman. She was tough like a man.
श्रीराम बंडाय नायक और गोल्डा मेयर और मार्गरेट थाचर रानी ऑफ झांसी हाउ डू वी थिंक अबाउट दम यू नो वॉट दे मैन लाइक बट नॉर्मली अ वुमन इज सिंट सो वॉट हैपन्स वेन शी हैज टू टेक टफ डिसीशंस और इमोशंस गेट इन and she makes goofy decisions which will have a long term result in the in the body of christ or institution or whatever so leadership is a gift and god says when you are a leader work on it be faithful be faithful think about moses what was moses faithful he was faithful in leading as a leader yes as a leader he was faithful as a leader everybody turned against him still he led them till the end and he didn't turn to the left or right because he knew he was called of god and he led them in god's ways they were unwilling they were rebellious his family his set of deacons the entire crowd it didn't matter anymore if you ask him that's where the bible says moses was faithful in the entire house of god as a servant if you ask him what was he faithful as as a leader mm. was faithful as a leader that was his specific will that was his specific let him govern diligently if it is showing mercy let him do cheerfully okay some people have this and you know because they have this gift of showing mercy you know people go to them go to them and they feel comforted because they won't be harsh with them harsh with them you know you know you need such kind of people in the body of christ because a, a smoking flax he will not put off a bruised reed he will not break see you need to you need to have this gift in you so that you will deal with each one with sensitivity mm. and you know what they repair they repair you, let us say uh, uh, a, a painting of michelangelo which is messed up do they give it to anybody ordinary to repair, to yeah. restore it yeah. it is restored with so much care by some master painter craftsman that's what god is talking about we need people with the gift of mercy in the kingdom of god and they restore people and the restored people will go and turn a city upside down but where did it work from it worked from jesus had the gift of mercy look at how gentle he is with the samaritan woman she goes and turns the entire town to jesus christ but would that have happened if he hadn't operated in the gift of mercy, mercy. if it is showing mercy let him do diligently chapter verse 9 do you have one more more let love be okay so if you look at what it is saying over there there are different gifts different gifts and the simple question god is asking is it to you that it all begins with small things all begins with small things and the simple thing is god is saying will you be faithful with that and you see our issue is that people are not able to discover their specific will either because they are not faithful with the little things they ignore it and they forget call of god is not from man it is from god Though man may be the one who is entrusting you with the little things, but God is the one who is watching. Mm-hmm. Like it is Jesse who is telling David, "Go take care of the sheep," but God is watching. Jesse is not watching. Hmm. Jesse's mindset may be completely different. He may think, "Are David this fellow? This fellow is good for nothing. Let him go take care of sheep." But God is looking at this fellow. You know what? This fellow is good for me. Let me see. He will be faithful with that few sheep. Okay and people mistake this idea that it is the eyes of man 
that will call you. No, it's God who will call you. Mm. And we understand the level of David's faithfulness. You say, one day a lion came, one day a bear came, and they took a sheep, uh, a kid from the flock. I went after it. I took it from the lion's mouth. God was watching yeah. how faithful he is with something his father had entrusted. So is Joseph. These are people with big calls in the kingdom of God, and they will realize they were faithful. Moses was not faithful at 40. He took the sword. He, 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 he goofed up. So 40 years, God put him in the desert and he had to prove he was faithful with somebody else's sheep. Hmm. And when he had proved his faithfulness, God appeared and called him and said, I'm putting you in charge of my people. So this is where people need to understand that. Another mistake people make is that they may be faithful like in one of these many, many gifts in the kingdom of God. They may be very faithful, but they do not see what they are doing is their call. They still have this dream, God is going to call me for a big thing. God says, you are doing a big thing. Mm -hmm. You are doing a big thing. That is your call. That's your call. But, you know, because we get all these ideas, not from the Bible, from movies, you know, uh, they think I have this, I'm, I'm being, I'm doing everything I can, but I am still, still waiting. But God says, you don't have to wait. This is your call. And on that day, when I call you, because you are faithful with this, you will get the same reward of somebody else who was faithful with the bigger thing. So whether you had five talent, or two talent, or one talent, imagine the one talent man, if he had just made it into two. Same. That was his ability. He had given him the ability to make one into two. He had given the one who had two to make it into four, one who had five to make it into ten, according to their ability. God gave the ability, God gave the gift, God gave the grace, according to your measure of faith. Don't think yourself. The two fellow thing is looking at it, five fellow fellow, you know what, I am not going to stop until it is ten. So he's taking all stupid kind of risks, envy is coming in, jealousy is coming in. He says, oh, 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 you got it wrong. You're not competing with each other. Your call, his call is different. You need to be faithful to the one who has called you. There's no competition here. We are not competing with Mm. each other. We are only trying to be faithful to the one who called us and to be the best we can be and do things according to the measure of faith that is given to us. If we have been given, we don't, we don't try stuff with what we don't have. Mm. We can increase our faith, but until then wait. This is where people go wrong. And a lot of people do not do what it's very easy for them to do because God has given them the ability because they are waiting for that big call. (laughs) So I remember this uh, uh, pastor, um, who the young, young man pastor came and said, Pastor, would you tell me what should I do to have a church of a thousand members? He said, how many do you have? He said, ten. He said, be faithful with them. God will decide whether you need thousand or not. Be faithful with the ten you have. Amen. That's all it matters. Yeah. Faithful. And that's what Jesus says. God gave him twelve. Mm-hmm. One was destined for destruction. And he tells the Father, you gave me twelve. One was destined for destruction. I've been faithful. I kept all the eleven. Here they are. One so interested in None has been lost. None has, has been except lost. Except the son. None. That was lost in the beginning, mm-hmm. but none has been lost. You actually mm-hmm. gave me 11. One was a lesson, but all 11 are here. I kept them. So he was faithful. 
He was faithful. So that's how we need to look at it. So wherever you are, that is one important thing God looks for. It is for faithfulness. Faithfulness. Okay. And in our life, we have um, different roles we play. Church is only a small role. Like uh, we all come from homes. Homes. Okay. Only two bachelors are here. Four married men are over here. So their, their wise, the duties entrusted to them is what God calls. But for us, it is different. Are you faithful as a father? Are you faithful as a husband? Are you faithful as an employee? Or are you faithful as an employer? You have to look at the different roles in which we play. And the question God asks is, are you faithful? Are you faithful? And the question we understand finally is, can I end the faithful? Mm. Because God is, God is, wants to look. You understand the concept? Will you finish well? And the Bible says David finished well. Mm. So we will look at the end. He was faithful as a father. Though he couldn't mentor the rest of the children because they grew up and it was too late, but he mentored Solomon well. So he was successful as a father with Solomon. So you cannot say he's a father who failed. No. The concept about being a faithful father into his character, he got it. Mm. The concept of being a faithful husband, he got it with Bathsheba. He was faithful to Bathsheba as a husband. He usually has nothing negative to say about him. And he's faithful as a king. He's faithful as a king. He's faithful as a servant of God. If you look at his Psalms, he's faithful. So even in his repentance, he's faithful to the uttermost. So if you look at David, when he finishes, he's a faithful man. Hmm. And he does exactly what God says. He does the entire will of God. When God tells him to repent, his question is, how much do you want me to repent? How much do you want to repent? You tell me, I will do it. You want me to go public? I'll go public. You want to write it for all generations? I will do it. Your desire is my command. So you will see, he ended up well. Ended up well. Okay? And the why, like I said, he ended up well. Why did he end up well? If you listen to the morning's message, he's ended up well. Because his foundation was well. Mm. Right in the beginning, he had this solid foundation of repentance. When he cut that little piece of cloth from Saul's mm. garment, you see his repentance, so his foundation was good. Therefore, later he fell and he did terrible things when God convicted him. His repentance was very good because he already had that foundation. That's why foundations matter. Do you have a repent- foundation of repentance? Do you have a foundation of trusting God alone, faith towards God? These two are found fundamental. The others are not so important, like baptisms and laying of hands and resurrection of the dead and judgment. That is not that is so important. The most important is the first two. And if those foundations are strong, you know what? You will fulfill the specific will of God. You will. You will fulfill the specific will of God. And that's how you need to look at it. Because sometimes people are fulfilling the will of God. They are exactly where God wants them to be. Doing exactly what God wants them to do. And yet because they have this idea that I'm waiting for the call of Abraham on my life. He says, you've already been called. You've already been chosen. Just do what you're called to do. Hmm. I have found you faithful in my sight. You know, so... Yes, Pastor Vijay. I think, Pastor, there's a corollary to this question will be the next question because uh, every um, ministry position, they think it's got to do with mm-hmm. esteem, etc. Yeah. It says, uh, the world holds self-esteem so high 
how do we how do we believers view self esteem through christ what thresholds should we have in place to keep self respect but not underdo it or overdo it the the the, the self respect has to be biblical has to be biblical it has to be scripture based you love yourself because of who made you hmm not because of your achievements because god said he has fearfully and wonderfully made you love yourself it is not got to do with you it is got to do with your creator okay created and if you go to ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 9 and 10 actually verse 9 2 for by grace you have been saved that not of yourself it is the gift of god so i was saved by grace just a gift i didn't do anything not of works lest anyone should boast, boast. for we are his workmanship whose workmanship as we said in greek it's the word poetry poem, poem. Mm-hmm. we are god's poem so simple ask this question god god write bad poems <laughs> no. no he doesn't he doesn't write bad poems so the simple thing is self respect does not mean i am a better poem than pastor vijay mm-hmm. no we are all good poems we are all his workmanship okay we are all his workmanship that is where self esteem the word self esteem is basically from accomplishments and from Talent. achievements Talent. and from things you acquire that is where their esteem comes from that is why we have even a ford esteem i think some esteem is yes, there sir. no yes yes is it ford maruti esteem maruti esteem was there i don't know it's in the nobody buys it's not even production esteem is gone <laughs> okay so if you look at it no everything this labeling of things everything is got to do with esteem we are not talking about that esteem we are not kind of actually uh Where does it say consider its efficiency, right? Con- yeah, Philippians. Philippians chapter two. Philippians two, verses four onwards. Yeah, three four. Philippians. Yes, two. it's there. See, mm. let each of you look out not only for his own interest but also for the interest Actually, of three, others. Three and four, bro. Three yeah, and four. three and four. Yeah. Three and four. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. What is that? that is the world's esteem mm. but in lowliness of mind let each esteem, esteem others. others better than themselves that is a safety yeah, you mm. want to esteem then esteem the other one is better than me that will keep you humble yeah. the world doesn't the world is exactly the opposite <laughs> the world thinks that you are better than the others you are better than the others Yeah, better. This is the difference. You want to talk about self-esteem? Yeah, the word is also is here. This is what esteem is. How do you esteem in the kingdom? How do you, how do you handle esteem in the kingdom of God? Is that I am good, you are better. <laughs> I'm good. Really? Yeah, but you are better. Keeps you safe. Keeps you safe. If you are better let somebody else say it yes yes exactly probably somebody, somebody else say somebody else say i am good you are better in the world that is no i am the best okay and children have it my daddy is the best that's you remember 
Okay. Let each one of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. This is how it works. The Bible is very clear. And why can we, why can we do it without insecurity is simply nobody is running your race. That is, nobody can run your race. Mm. That's the way you can look after somebody else's interests. In companies and all, things don't work like that because everybody is trying to take somebody else's position. Mm. You know, when I was in IFLU, uh, when we were doing our research over there, there was one guy still near Satyanarayan. I can still remember his name. He was one of the library boys. If you want a book, First you check in this thing and you see the book is in the library. It has not been checked out because you have time limit. You have to return it within this thing. And some books are, you are essential. But you will never find it. The reason is the people who cannot take it will put it somewhere where you can never find it. Okay. Now let me ask, is that person looking out for his interest or somebody else's interest? Somebody else's interest. He's not looking at his interest. In the, in the word of God, that is not how it works. In the kingdom, that's not how it works. How it works. You always keep somebody. And every, like, you know, even with pastors, with the younger pastors, we have to keep telling them, you know what? Let the older one stand in. Let the older one go in and sit down. They are old. Let them sit down at the table instead of having to hold in them. Do they do it? They won't do it. They won't do it. They won't do it. Most of them care two hoods, whether you are old or not. I am hungry. I am going to be in the first in the line. I am going to sit down in a nice corner. I will eat and I will go. You know what? The fundamental principle is not working. Does not work, you know. It is not easy. But this is mandatory. This is kingdom life. And that was the final lesson of Jesus Christ. After the Lord's Supper, he wrapped a towel around his sister and everybody must have, oh, oh, what is happening over here? He said, one more lesson to see. You know what? I esteem you higher than myself. And in the process, he never lost his esteem. He, he never lost. Gained you, his do, esteem. you don't lose your esteem. Mm, you don't lose mm, your mm, esteem mm, by, you never lose your esteem mm, by serving. Mm, you never lose your esteem by serving. Hallelujah. But it cannot be once in a year yeah. occasion. Exactly. And then it's just being what you're, you're just doing it for. Tradition. Part, and you want the cameras there. You want to take the pictures. And you want to put a, it's on in Facebook and all. We are not talking about that. We are talking about a lifestyle. Yeah. And you don't want cameras. Yeah. And if you catch you by a mistake, you are not upset. Camera doesn't take you, you are not upset. But that's your life. That's your life. And that's what God is talking about. When the world, world is talking about esteem, it's a completely different thing. It's based on achievements and your marks and your, if you are in research, publications and you want to be in the newspaper and in the news media and the others, it's money and flaunt their wealth. They have to flaunt it. They flaunt it, okay? Because that's where they get their esteem from. They can, uh, they can what, get dressed to kill and... Uh, <laughs> 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 no, dress to kill me is true. You live like that, ultimately your children will die of poverty. That is what it means. <laughs> the father dressed to kill the children died of poverty. <laughs> If you, if you did have the money. But that's okay. These things don't matter. These things don't matter. 
Okay. Yes. I uh, guess we kind of answer that question. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. I think there's another question also, which is mm. kind of a follow-up to this passage. Mm. This is question number 17. Don't underdo it. Don't overdo don't it. it. Okay. Then it will be a false sense of humility. Yeah. Pastor, don't there underdo there it. There's a verse in First Corinthians 16, mm. 13, actually. Mm. Uh, this is what it says. It's very interesting. 16.13, 1 Corinthians 16.13. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave. Uh, can you put it in the NKJV? Uh, or uh, maybe KJV then. Yeah, be men of courage, it says, right, Pastor? Mm. The word for men of courage actually in Telugu is like Paurisham, meaning have self-respect. Okay. Because as a believer, you need to have uh, who's you are. You need to know who's you yeah, are. And, who's, yeah, who's. And, and therefore, you don't have to uh, be servile. Yeah, that's, is, that's that, what I said. No, I mean, I've, I've used this illustration. I remember I was... Uh, uh, when I was working in that other nation, uh, it was an evening class and there was a knock on my door. We keep the door shut in the classroom because we don't want disturbance, the children looking out of the door. So I was a knock, okay. And I opened the door and there was this gentleman standing outside and said, sir, can I come into your class? And I looked at this, looked at, and then I recognized him, I looked at the students because that, that nation, they were all standing like this because that was their king. You know how polite he was? Oh. How mm. polite he was. He said, sir, can I have 10 minutes of your time so that I can talk to the students? I said, of course, your majesty. You know, he doesn't have to do anything. He knows who he is. So when he knows who he is, he can be truly be humble. Because mm. he knows who he is. And that's what God is saying. If you know who your father is, if you know your father is, then uh, humility should come to you normally. Mm. Okay, you don't have to work out, work for it. it. You should be automatically humble because your esteem, you don't have to work for your esteem. You're already esteemed in his sight. Mm, yes. Okay, and then look at all the others also in the same way. Okay, that's what the Bible is talking about. So in the in the world, it's a different thing all, all together. Yes. Pastor, it's question number 17 uh, also, maybe on a similar theme. Mm. It says, uh, slaves be subject to your masters with all reverence, not only to those who are good and equitable, but also to those who are perverse. This is First Peter chapter 2, verse 18. Slaves are blatantly condoned in the Bible, not only in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament, as well as by Simon Peter. Do you think God allows one human being to own another human being? If not, do you think it is possible that the writings in the Bible are just a way of the people of that time to control society and not in the reality of the word of God. Okay, let's first come to Romans chapter 6. Six. Verse 15 onwards. Can I have it in NIV? Simpler version. What then, shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace by no means? Do you not know that when you offer yourself to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness? Hmm. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. So, we were all slaves. We were all slaves. We were slaves to sin. Because whoever you obey, you are that thing's slave. Whether it's a person or it's a habit, you are a slave. 
we were all slaves of sin. So first understand the concept about slavery. Then we go back into the history of slavery. Slavery wasn't bad as you think the word of God talks about. Mm. It's not as bad about as you think, no? Uh, I will go to Genesis chapter 15. We'll see a slave there. Elias of chapter 15, verse 1. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Elias of Damascus? <laughs> who is Elias? He's a slave. Slave. <laughs> He's a chief servant. And what is he going to do? This Syrian is going to inherit the whole thing if Abraham dies childless. Okay? So we need to realize slaves were not what we're thinking about. Like Slaves were like the workers of today. Mm. There was abuse, but there is abuse of workers also. Yes. Even now, you know the kind of abuse the workers go in many, many countries in the Middle East? The expatriate workers go through. And sometimes they just have to buy, they have to be rescued through this help groups and they have to be carted out. They have been beaten, they have been tortured, they have been raped, they have been, all kind of things have happened and governments don't even intervene, don't even care. But how did they go there as? They went as a worker. And don't you feel in your companies uh, that you are practically slaves? Slaves. Okay, let's say, let me ask you this question. When COVID restriction came, didn't they make you work more? Hmm. They made you work more. Because you're working from home, so work 14 hours. Okay, 14 hours. They made you work more. Okay, it is not. And look at, or look at, uh, US. How did the healthcare workers work? They worked day in and day out. Okay, and they did an awesome job. And now what's happening to the healthcare workers who refuse to get vaccinated? They're losing their jobs. Okay? So if you look at the fundamental principle about one person owning another, it is still happening. In communism, who owns you? The state owns you. State owns you. The state owns you. You cannot even have a second baby. Until recently. And if you became pregnant, the state forcibly aborted that baby. Who owned your body? The state owned your body. The state owned your body. Okay. Now, you you talk about uh, the U.S. educational system, about charter schools and all these things, you know. What is to happen in many places in U.S. is that, you know, you could only study in your PIN code. And that school may be rotten. But you have no choice to move to another place because you don't have the money. So who owned you? Hmm. There are various forms which slavery is still continuing because as long as there is sin, man is a slave. Okay. And we are talking about the Bible age, Abraham's. Look at his slaves. They were fantastically taken care of. You see, a slave in those days, okay, we are not talking about the abuse of slavery because we have pictures from Hollywood movies and all. All of them are not true. Some of them are. There was abuse of slavery, which happened during the slave trade and all. But many of those slaves who came over or in any age, they were sometimes very well taken care of. In the Roman age, in the Roman age, some of the, many of the slaves were Greek. Mm. And they were tutors. 
They owned their own houses. They were completely taken care of. They never had to worry. They never had to worry about. They were completely taken care of. There was no abuse there. So you cannot look at the abuse in the system. That is because of the sin of man. Because there is abuse in every system. But if you only look at the abuse, you are not looking at the other side of it. In uh, in the Roman Empire, most of the people in the Roman Empire were slaves. Were slaves. Okay, were slaves. Okay. Now we talk about. Let us look at India. At least one-third or more than the uh, people in India are daily wage workers. What are they? Slaves. Slaves. What guarantee do they have? What security do they have? What security do they have? Are they free? Yes. Are they secure? No. Now imagine one of them is working in a rich man's house and he says, you work for me. I'll give you a house, I'll take care of your children, and when they grow up, let them also work for me. He's secure. Now, who do you think is more secure? That is exactly how it happened. So don't look at one picture of where slavery was very, very bad. That is when the greedy, uh, terrible people, only for the sake, those were involved in the slave trade. And you know, it was, it is like business, and it, the business world is still the same. It's cutthroat. Its business world is still the same. It has not changed. They don't do it with human beings because it is not available, but they're still doing it. Still doing it. I mean, let us be honest about it. Dr. Richard, if I have a cold, I had yesterday's sniffles, I went to Yashoda or Apollo, what would have happened to me? <laughs> <laughs> no, no they would have admitted admit, me. Admit, admit. They would have admitted me. Admit, they would have scanned. That is, that is nothing. They would have scanned me from my toenails to my hair. Everything would have been scanned. By the time I came out, my sniffles would have become worse because of tension. Who will pay this bill? <laughs> you know? So you know what's happening. It's see until the heart of man. See, see, first you need to understand that Jesus was not a social reformer. That's what you need to understand. God did not send his son to change the world. Mm. He sent his son to save the world. And there is a difference between these two. He first has to save the man from his sin nature. Mm. Otherwise, what is going to happen is nothing is going to change. Inwardly, he's still the rotten slave of sin. Yes. And he's always a slave. You change the situation outwardly. You free man. You know what happens? Go to... Uh, the book of Ezekiel. Alright. This was the sin of your... 16. Yeah, 16.48. 16.48. Okay. 16.48. 16, mm. Now, this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, unconcerned. Okay. Now, what has happened? They are prosperous. They are extremely prosperous. They did not help the poor and needy. In verse 40, yeah. They were... So you see, you see what happened. Can I go to NIV? NIV, you know, sometimes. Yeah. Or oh, this NIV. Okay, it's fine. 40, 40 is fine. Uh, 49 is enough. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, this was she and the, yeah, this is better. She had pride, fullness of bread. Full. They were very wealthy. Abundance of idleness. Are they slaves? No. So what did they do? They went into perversion. So they become worse slaves. slaves. Yes. 
than the other cities around who had to struggle for their food, who had to work hard. Let me ask you this simple question. Is the poor man's son or the rich man's son who is in addiction? The rich man's son. <laughs> He's a slave. He's a slave to his addiction. This poor man's fellow, he doesn't have enough money to buy two meals. Where is he going to buy marijuana? Okay. So you need to understand what has happened. So there is, Jesus is not a social reformer. The only thing God gives to keep the society in check is he gave the law. Law, exactly. The law will keep you in line from outside. The law cannot change you from inside. So when Jesus came, he came to free us. We were slaves of sin. Let's go back to uh, Romans 6 and that word. That's the first thing which he does. And verse 18 also it says. Okay. But thanks be to God that used to be, yeah, 17, yeah? 17. 17. But thanks that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed uh, not 17, that where it says you are slaves of righteousness. 18, next verse. Yeah, yeah, okay. And, you and having been set free from so sin, you became. you became slaves of right. It's the first, that's the first thing God does. He does, what does he do? He made us slaves of righteousness. Then when he comes a second time, those who are righteous will be able to experience the liberty. Otherwise there is no meaning in this liberty. Okay? We got rid of one British ruler and got instead 1500 Indian rulers. Think about it. Okay. I'm not saying India has not progressed. I'm not saying India has not progressed. But I don't think if the British hadn't left, India would have fared worse. And I think differently, okay? You may call me whatever you want. I think differently. Whatever we built on, we built on a structure the British left for us. Thank you. Let me ask you this simple question. Are the, were the British more corrupt or the Indian system? Indian. Indian system. The Indian system is more corrupt than the British system. Uh, think about it. 76 years ago, would you try to bribe an English officer? Okay. See, we need to accept these facts. Okay. I am not condoning slavery. Okay, What I am saying is this is bad side of slavery. But because of the bad side of slavery, you should not forget the good side of it. Because slavery was there from the beginning. How did, when did slavery begin? When Adam sinned. That's when slavery began. Before Adam sinned, there were no slaves. God walked with man, man walked with God, he enjoyed his work, he enjoyed his walk with God, and then he did dude had to go listen to the devil. And he fell. After that he's a slave. And from there in chapter four you have one man, young one son who's a slave to jealousy and anger. He kills his brother because he's a slave. Mm. He's not a free man. Yeah. He's not a free man. So whatever controls you, you are that thing slave. Okay, so when I'm talking about even during slavery, when slavery was there, when you were a slave of a righteous man, you prospered. If you were the slave of a wicked man, you suffered. 
you suffered. That's the difference. The question is not whether you're a slave or not. The question is, who did you belong to? Okay, that's what the Bible is saying. You know what? I'm a slave of Christ, so I am free. But before I knew Christ, I was a slave of the devil. Mm. I thought I, I was, was free, free, but I was not free. Amen. See? Because everybody is somebody's slave. Mm. Everybody. Everybody. Okay. Everybody is a slave of fear. If you are not a slave of fear, ask President Biden or Prime Minister Modi to walk on the streets without security. They wouldn't. They won't. They have more fearful days than we have. We are much more free. Okay, you know what? They are all slaves. The only man who walked who was not a slave was Jesus Christ. You know why? Because he was a slave of his father's righteousness. You know what he was? He was servant of all. The Bible says he was a servant king. He was a servant. Why could he serve everybody? Because he was not a slave. He was not a slave. He could serve everybody. Okay, And then God is birthing people like that. So the Bible is not a book that is condoning uh, slavery. The Bible is telling simply stating a fact. Even if you are, you are a slave, you are freed. You ain't going nowhere. Something else will enslave you. Enslave you. Let us be honest, okay? I mean... I hope the listening population is not feeling uh, upset. Let me ask you this simple question. Is South Africa any better today? Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe, mm. South Africa. Is it any better today? It is not. Does that mean slavery was right? No, it was wrong. But I'm question is that, okay, you got your freedom. You got your freedom. Yes, you are free. But what did you use? Do your freedom. What did you use with your freedom? The British left. The French left. The Dutch left. Everybody left. What did you do with your freedom? What did you do with your freedom? Why is that freedom is not helping you? Simply, the man is fallen. The man is fallen. Okay. The fallen man is a slave. He will enslave others. But you are looking for a righteous man. That's what the Bible says. When the righteous rule, there is joy. Mm. There is joy in the kingdom. Okay. That's what God is going to do. He's teaching us. So we don't look at that. We are only looking at the slavery of the body as such. We are not looking at the slavery of the mind. Okay. And we are all enslaved in the mind if we are not set free by the gospel. We are angry, bitter, you know, depressed, discouraged, you know, or high on something else. You know why we are all slaves? So when the Bible is talking about slavery, Abraham had slaves. He had hundreds of slaves. They were not abused. They were not abused. Okay, Abraham's slaves were well taken care of. Isaac had even more slaves. Jacob had slaves. They were not abused. Mm. They were not abused. It says in First Corinthians chapter seven, he says, Paul says that uh, even though if you are called a slave, mm. you are Christ free man. You are Christ free. And if you are a master, mm. then you are a bond servant of Christ. Mm. So both of it both it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. See, if you don't understand the concept mm. of salvation, you won't understand the concept of slavery. And because if you are saved, 
if you are saved, then it does not matter what you are. Hmm. You are a free man. You are a free man. Because you are no longer enslaved to sin. On the other hand, if you are a free man, but you are a slave of sin, you're still a slave. You're still a slave. Your end is worse than this man's end. Amen. This man will go to heaven. <laughs> Lazarus went to heaven. <laughs> the rich man went to hell. So who was a slave? Lazarus was a beggar sitting at the gates, eating on the scraps with the dogs. The rich man was dressed in purple and ate sumptuously. Now ask the question, who is the slave? Who is the free man? Everybody looks at the rich man and says, he is free, this fellow is a slave. God says, no, you are wrong. You will see when the death happens. When the death happened, not because he was poor, but because he was saved. Okay, Lazarus went to heaven. The rich man went to hell. Okay, because he always was a hell. He, the rich man was always a slave and because he never got his freedom when he was alive, he went to the place where slaves go. That is called hell. And because Lazarus was a free man, he went to the place where free men go, which is called heaven. This life is not what decides. There is a day of reckoning coming. And then God will ask him, are you a slave or are you a son? For whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. We are sons. As many as you received him, he gave them the power to become the sons of God. So it didn't matter what your status on earth was. Even if you are a slave, you are a son of God. But on the other hand, even if you are a son of a king, you did not know God, you are a slave. You are a slave. That's how we have to look at it. Hallelujah. Awesome. Pastor, this one question uh, related to, to, to I think to mo- today morning's teaching as well. Mm. We'll be talking about encountering God. Question number? This is question number 15. Okay. There are very few places in the Bible where the Lord confronts people straight away and in person. Example, in the life of Moses and Job, and maybe even Paul. Mm. In Numbers chapter 12, verses 8 and 9, with him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The anger of the Lord burned against them and he left them. That's such a powerful confrontation from God to Aaron and Miriam about Moses. It's quite interesting that when I reflect on the same, I wonder why the Lord didn't convict Saul about David in a similar way, but why selectively Moses' aid or Job's friends. In this case, is it because Aaron being the high priest, God confronted immediately? Uh, no. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't put it that way. You will, you will always see that in the Bible, there are patterns established so that others get their lesson from that. The lesson from Moses' case is that don't despise authority. Hmm. Because authority is given by God. So it does not matter. He is your brother and your younger brother. He holds an office which you don't have. Hmm. Respect the office. That's yes. our basic issue is that we do not respect, respect office. Office. Yes. office is given by God. And when you don't, when you disrespect that person who is in that office, you are disrespecting that office. I guess in this context, Moses is the one called and sent by God. They despised Moses. Because the God confronted. And after that, he will confront uh, Nathan, uh, Dathan, Abiram, and Korah and the gang. So, 
a precedent is set after that a lesson is set so after that he doesn't have to confront anybody because the lesson is already there nadab and abihu offered profane fire they were judged immediately after that you don't hear anybody being judged like that because a lesson has been taught ananias and safira has been judged in the church the fear of god came after that the lesson is taught so there are certain things in history which god does he confronts mm. immediately so it is a lesson to us so that when we do it and god doesn't kill us we cannot say that i did not know god said you knew i made an example of certain people in the bible so that you would know you would know you know okay now in the case of saul mm. in the case of saul saul has already been judged already been judged it's after he's judged that he goes after david so there is no warning for saul he's already judged the kingdom has already been taken away from him he's just sitting on the chair that's all but the kingdom has been taken away from him so there is no more f- f- see there is no more, no more uh, uh, what you call convicting a person he's already on a death sentence okay now what god will do is that all the evil that saul does god will turn it around for david's good that's what god is doing over here god is not going to make life easy for david because god has got a plan for david if david has to be the man god wants him to be saul is going to be the instrument god is going to use to make david a man after god's own heart so god is not going to change his plan okay so th- because saul has already been judged if you if you know your order in the book of samuel it is after he has been judged the kingdom has been torn away from you then god tells samuel how long will you mourn for that man go to jesse's house i picked one of his sons so it is in that order so saul has been rejected then david is chosen and then little later after a series of victories and this thing when saul starts getting the idea this is the young man he goes after him god protects david but god does not convict saul because he is beyond the stage of conviction is mm. already a reprobate is already a reprobate god has handed him over the bible says as soon as david is anointed the spirit of god left saul and the evil spirit from the lord was tormenting okay so in job's case also remember in job's case job's story is a very special story it's not a normal kind of a story now in job's case you will ask uh, why did uh, god intervene directly in job's case with his friends the reason is because it is god who specifically gave permission for job to be tested mm. he's personally involved in it personally involved in it. he removed the hedge he allowed all those things to test and therefore he says you know what you did not speak right about me your counsel was wrong counsel was wrong. so job is a but again how many stories about job do we have no one is enough mm-hmm. one is enough we all learn from the book of job so you will talk about there may have been other instances but we don't know about it because it is not needed it is not needed so that's how you have to read bible where god personally intervenes in certain cases okay uh, like then we could ask in the case why didn't god intervene in jesus case we know he cannot intervene because he came to die why didn't he intervene in paul's case he didn't intervene in most cases he didn't allow him to be beaten intervene aap mar lat khane ke baad intervention hua we don't want that kind of intervention no you, you, you please intervene before i get beaten no that's what happened with paul paul time he got in god intervened after he got beaten 
Why? To show us the treasure in him is me. Look at this man. He can go through it. You can go through it. The experiences of Paul, experiences of Paul has strengthened millions and millions of believers for the past 2000 years. So God allows some people to go through it and he doesn't intervene. He doesn't intervene. And because he went through, and it is a record in God's word, others have stood there and said, think about Paul and Silas in the prison. How many million people have been blessed by it? These people, you know what? That should be our response. That should be our response. That should be what Jesus preached as theory. The practice that has practical. So that's how you need to know. God doesn't intervene. God doesn't intervene always. Some cases he does it because these are object lessons to us. He's teaching us. Praise God. So again, uh, uh, this is another practical question. Question number 12. Uh, You've always said that church is made up of families and individuals and we have to prioritize our family and complete our responsibilities towards them. But also you said, when push will come to a shove and you to, you have to choose between your family and the family of God, whom will you choose? Because Jesus chose the family of God every single time during his, during his ministry. I come from a believing family, but my parents have an ungodly soul tied to the denomination, a mainline church. How should I act in this situation? Can you please explain? See, uh, please don't uh, uh, misunderstand making spiritual choices and responsibilities. Mm. Jesus chose the family of God every time, but he was always responsible for his household. Okay, he had younger brothers and sisters, and they were taking care of his mother, and that is how he left. But three and a half years later, when he is dying, because he is able to see, he knows his brothers will all get saved. And they will die for his namesake. And the one who will remain alive till the end is John. So he hands his mother to John. So when we are talking about it, it is talking about being responsible. But making spiritual choices. You cannot be irresponsible. Irresponsible because your father doesn't believe. Your mother doesn't believe. It doesn't work that way. Mm. You are responsible for them. You are even even to slaves, the command is given. If your honor is a believer, how much more profitable your work is. Yes. You should be working even more. Okay? That is the key. That is the whole thing which you need to realize is that you have this. When you are talking about your spirit, please, please don't ever get this wrong. In Jesus' case, it's a different case. He has been called to leave and preach. It's a, that kind of call, very few people get. Very few people get. Okay, And uh, we are not talking about that. This is what I was talking about. No, uh, When you get saved, when you get saved, your testimony at home matters. Whether you are married, unmarried, your testimony matters because your testimony is that you become the best you can be in your home. That is, you are, you are young, you are unmarried, you are a child in the home, and your parents are not believers. Okay? What do you do? You become the best you can be towards your family without compromising on, on, on what you, what you have to do for the Lord. You have to be the best. Okay? On the hand, now you are married. Let us say you are a woman. Okay, you are married. Your husband does not believe. 
you have a situation like that in first peter chapter 3 husband does not believe you know what happens to most women when they get saved and the husbands they become super spiritual they are so much involved in the church and they abandon their homes that's where you went wrong you should have become the best wife you could be the best mother you could be that you confront him with your witness and he looks around and he says you know what i want to know your god on the other hand most cases especially pentecostals hmm. what do they do they actually start neglecting their homes you know what he doesn't want your god he said i prefer you as an unbeliever at least you were around after you became a believer you are nowhere to be seen this is where we go wrong we do we we have got this warped idea about ministry very few are called into ministry full time and i primarily believe that if you are called to ministry pray lord call me when i am single so that i will go like paul so that i can please you without having restraints and paul says that in first corinthians chapter 7 First Corinthians chapter seven, because if you're called to ministry after you are married, be sure you're equally yoked, mm. and the woman receives a call as much. Otherwise, you'll always serve God with one hand tied behind your back, back, tied behind your back. And these are things which people don't understand. People don't understand. They always think about a ministry. See, there's only fivefold ministry. There's not a sixth ministry. There's only fivefold ministry. There are only five, and in this five other there will be gifts. The gift is not a ministry. Don't take a gift and may become a minister. No, there's only fivefold ministry. Are you an apostle? No. Are you a prophet? No. Are you an evangelist? No. Are you a pastor? No. Are you a teacher? No. Go home and do your work. Be a witness there and be a witness in your church because there's only a fivefold ministry. the rest are all gifts of the holy spirit those are gifts anybody can have it the ministry of helps it's a gift can be used anywhere mm. okay and this is where people go wrong people go wrong is that they confuse a gift with a ministry the gift is not a ministry the gift is used for ministry but the gift does not mean you have been called out you have not been called out and many people because of that gift came out and messed up their witness messed up their witness and hmm. that's where they go wrong so when we are talking about jesus christ when in jesus case he is at his father's business, business yeah okay jesus is at his father's business and right at the age of 12 he's at his father's business then the father calls him he gets okay now his family the issue with his family is that his family is trying to interfere with his ministry mm, yes. it is not that he has abandoned his family his family is trying to inter- the same thing like politics we happen over there you get into politics the problem is the children start getting into and start abusing the father's office mm. like hunter biden and yeah. abusing the father's office okay that is basically what happens but that's basically what he's trying to they are trying to do and he says no mm. and this is which people find it very difficult to understand when you have been called by god you do not allow your family to influence your ministry that's why god confronted aaron and miriam he's high priest you prophesy but he's the savior he's the one i called chose put on the head to are you high priest yes who anointed you 
without a word that they may be one by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear what does it mean before she was not that way the world did not expect that way but now you want to be you need to know who loves in you if christ were to be in your shoes and he is a woman how would he how would christ as a woman as a wife deal with a unbelieving husband he said this is how you would deal this is becomes your witness this is becomes your testimony people don't understand people don't understand and this is how there is so much mess in the church because the minute something have get they get saved they abandon their homes mm. you can't abandon your homes you cannot abandon your homes your home is there but when it comes to faith you make a lie okay i cannot worship here i need to go over there okay and you always know I used, when I used to deal with the young people in that other country, okay, and all of them are there on an evening. I told them, I used to tell them, when your mother tells you wash the dishes, do you say you're going for Bible study? Because many of them come from non-believing house. Do you say you're going for Bible study? And they say yes, sir. I said go back and wash the dishes. That's your witness. that's your witness ah oh. <laughs> that's your witness then i asked the boys what does your father drive bike have you ever washed your father's bike does he believe no have you ever washed your father's bike no what is your witness you're all walking around the bible study bible study bible study what is your witness 
I said, do you know, you want to hear my witness? I said, I got saved. I was not in ministry, I got saved. And my father retired and came back. And he was living in an empty house. And he had never learned how to cook. And I was saved. My college was 80 kilometers away. My college begins at 10. Okay, And I couldn't leave my father like that. You know what I did? I traveled every day 160 kilometers by bus. But before I left, my bus used to come at 7.25. By 7.20, I am ready, dressed, ready with my bag. Before that, I have cooked my father's breakfast and his lunch. And his mallu. He will eat only mallu lunch. There's no mixie. There is no nothing in the house. Only one gas stove that is all there. Meaning to make his breakfast, the mallu breakfast, I had to pound things on an iron pedestal. I had to make all his sabjis with that. I had to make his dosa like that. I made it. I made his lunch and I left. I came back at evening at 6 or 7 in the night. I went, cleaned the fish, made his fish, made his roti, kept it ready next day morning. That is the way I went for weeks until an alternate arrangement was made. Because you know why? That was my witness. So when my father was dying, God kept all the children away from me and kept me alone beside him. And two days before he died, he got saved and he died. Because none of them would have known what salvation was. I knew what salvation was. You know what? So when I got saved and I had an opportunity with my father, with my father, you know what happened? That was my witness. That was my witness. Because he doesn't believe. I had to prove to him I have become a better son. He used to drink. How do I get him? Of alcohol. You know what I did? I learned to make wine at home. I learned to make wine at home. And I used to make it in bottles and give it to him. Say, at least drink wine. Instead of alcohol. That's all I could do. That's your witness. And people don't understand you shall be my way. Everybody thinks they are an apostle or evangelist. You are not. You are not. You are not called that way into full-time ministry. Your ministry begins at home. It's Jerusalem. If you don't have a witness in Jerusalem, what are you going to do in Judea? And Jerusalem is your home. You know. And as young people and married people, people need to understand, if you are have a witness at the cost of abandoning your home, you will face judgment on the day of the Lord. Because he said, that's not where you started. For 30 years, because God's appointed time for Jesus was 30, 30 years, Jesus had this testimony in his house. Let me ask you this question. He hasn't started preaching. He hasn't started preaching. You know what happened? The wedding at Cana. They ran out of wine. And Mary came and said, son, they have run out of wine. Why did she come to him? Because she knew he was always dependable. Though she had many younger sons and daughters, he knew this kid, you tell him something, he will do it. Even if you don't tell him, he will know it and do it. I have one son, absolutely dependable. That was his witness. So first time she encounters, he, she doesn't understand his call. She encounters a difficulty in another house, a relative's house. He comes over there. The first person she goes to him, she's not expecting a miracle. He hasn't done a single miracle. So you cannot say she has expectations of a miracle. You know what she says? This boy is dependable. And that's my question to people. Are you dependable? Can God depend on you to be a dependable man, a son, a daughter, a husband, a wife, a father, a mother? Are you dependable? If you're not dependable at home, what is your witness? What is your witness? 
Okay, so people have to be very, very careful. Your parents are from a mainline church. They don't believe. You believe. You know what you're going to do? Prove that you are saved. Prove I have the grace of God, the power of God. I'm not going to answer back. I'm going to change. Lord, give me the grace. My parents have to see that I have changed. I have changed. Okay, it may be slow. It may be fast. But Lord, let them see I have changed. Because that's my witness. Because like, like I tell you, to a stranger you can preach the gospel. To your family and friends, you can't preach the gospel. You are the gospel. Mm. Either they believe in the God you believe or they don't. Either they believe, they look at it, they may believe or they may be, if they hate you, they should hate you for no reason. That's what the Bible says about Jesus. They hated me without reason. Without any reasons. They hated him. He was a blessing to his family. He was a blessing to everybody. And they hated him without any reason. And because you were a blessing, but because they dislike your faith, they hate you. It's okay. They hated Joseph without a reason. But he was a blessing. But his witness began at home. His witness did not begin in Potiphar's house. Let me tell you, if he did not have a witness at home, God would not have taken him to Egypt. David had a witness at home. Therefore, God could put him in front of the nation. You don't have any witness after you are... I'm not saying before you are saved. I'm talking after you have saved. If you don't have a witness, then your ministry is not genuine. Ministry. You need a witness. That our home is important. That's where we all begin. Okay, where all we begin. We all begin. Jesus began at a home. He didn't begin in the public square. He began at home. David began at home. Joseph began at home. Okay. If Daniel did not have a testimony in his house, he would not have a testimony in Babylon. Okay. And this is, these things are important. These things are important. Okay. These things are all, all said and done. I look at, okay, I got four brothers, sisters, everything, but my mother is still in my house. I have no issues with her. Don't interfere in my ministry. That is my only issue with parents. Okay? Don't you don't understand? You are playing with fire. Just stay away. Come to church, enjoy the church, go back from the church. Don't run the church. Don't run the church. Don't make comments. Don't make judgments. You are not accountable for this. I am. You are not. There is no position in the kingdom of God called pastor's mother. No. You are a mother. You are my mother. But when you come to church, you are not my mother. You are a congregation member. Never forget that. I will honor you for your age, but I will honor everybody else for their age. Don't get it wrong. That's how it is. We need to understand. Wives also need to understand. When you come to church... You're not the pastor's wife. There's no position in the church called pastor's wife. This is all American. Find me one verse in the Bible which talks about the pastor's wife, apostle's wife, prophet's wife, evangelist's wife. There's no office like that. First lady. There's no office like that. You're a congregation member. Know your place. When I come back home, I'm your husband. I'm not your pastor. 
though I am your pastor, the office will always remain. I don't talk to you as a pastor, I talk to you as a husband. When I come to church, I don't talk to you as a husband. You know where I learned it from? I didn't learn it in the church. Before I came to church, I learned it from my father. My father said, when you come to school, you are a student. When you come, you are my son. Don't mix this both. Don't mix this both. When you come to school, I will treat you exactly like any other student. No favorites. You are just another student in the class. And it would be embarrassing because suddenly he comes to the class because there is no teacher. It's a new school, new class. And suddenly he asks this. And he's sitting over there. Name, 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 name. And looks at me. Name. And all the students are laughing. Principal said, nothing, no laughs. So name. Okay, go to the next one. Doesn't go over me saying, oh, you are my son. I know your name. Name. Sit down. Next one. Don't blink an eye. Very clear. School, who are you? My son. Home, who you are? My student. School, oh, my son. We get these. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about. He says, you know what? Mom, you don't know what you're asking for. And she understood. You know what? She, she went away. She told the servants, go and do whatever he says. <laughs> And every time he does that, he's not demeaning his mother, he's not dishonoring his mother, he's just telling mom, office is different. Because he has looked back in history and looked down in history and he will see relatives abusing the office of somebody else. Boss, yes. That's the entire thing that has been happening around the world is the abuse of family members of an office. These are his children. Okay. That's that's where it is talking. That's where Samuel went wrong. Samuel should not have ever picked his sons to be judges. He should have never picked his sons to become judges. I didn't. Okay, I have I have three sons and I have a nephew who is in Bible college, trained for ministry. I told straight away the church goes to him. It's not my church, though I founded it. (laughs) It's not my church. It's God's church. And straight away God said, "That's a good boy, son. You will give it to." And I said, "I'm okay with it. I'm not building a church for my son." Though I could say my nephew is there, he's finished, he's trained, he's everything. You know, let my nephew come over here and be assistant pastor. I will go. No, you stay in your place. That's this place is not yours because it's not mine. It is. It's this is not a family-run business. It's not a family-run business. That's what the first lesson Israel understands. This is not father to son. I will change kings when I want. I will change kings when I want. Saul, you are out. David, who is that a shepherd boy? He will be king. And his son, he has got many sons. The youngest one will become king. And you know what? I'm, the next one is not your going to son. I'm going to take ten tribes away and give it to a, a useless fellow called Jeroboam. Jeroboam. You know why? I choose I who I want. I decide. You are all stewards. You are all stewards. If we understand our life and understand our office, how the kingdom of God, we will respect office. We will honor people. And people will all know their place. Exactly. They will know their place. Now, I was in ages for many years, used to know. And all those years, it was interesting. Okay. When they were together, Pastor Stubbs used to call Sister Stubbs honey or something, because I've had, we had been in meals together and all. But in public, in church, he never called her other than Sister Stubbs. Never called her Sister Stubbs. Always called her Sister Stubbs. You know why? Because in church, that's what she is. Your sister in the Lord. So she was a 
full time minister and everything and still is and all that no these are lessons which you learn do you know how many wives have messed up their husband's ministry you go look look through church history how many have messed it up because they did not know their place or mothers or fathers have messed it up so we have to be very very careful everywhere we know our place our position our witness everything we know and then work accordingly work accordingly home is different church is different at home you need to have your witness yeah. did you get saved outside good now witness at home and your witness is not your words witness is your changed life you have become a better son a better daughter Amen. better husband better wife better father better mother that's your witness not that works with strangers your witness here take a track brother can i share with that's a different thing officer doesn't work because you'll with them five days a week your work is your witness let me ask you this question did joseph witness with his mouth in potiphar's house no. how did potiphar know his god was with him faithful he was faithful faithful he looked at his work and he yeah. said you know what this dude's god is different i got plenty of slaves with different gods but this dude's god is different you know what jonah's witness was terrible everybody is crying out to their god the unbeliever has to come and tell are yaar get up and cry up what a witness see when a fellow goes down no, his witness is visible stop yes mm-hmm. absolutely that's like abraham abimelech has this one why didn't you tell me this was your wife He lost his Abraham lost his witness both in Egypt and in Gerar. Okay. Lost his witness. Okay. Your life is your witness. Okay. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Apostle, I, yeah. I think that's we, done for the day because <laughs> okay. so many other questions I don't think we have the time. We ha- yeah, we we had only one oh, oh, these were all last week's questions. Right? Yeah, uh, but actually they were all most of them were got to do with practical. Okay, issues. so let me go recap on that too because we have lots of young people young people you are a saved young person in school in college in a workspace married unmarried please remember your ministry begins at home the ministry begins at home yes and most of us we will see we fail at home mm. jacob's 10 sons failed at home therefore god could not give them a ministry outside The 11th one was successful at home so god gave him a ministry outside david's jesse's had eight sons seven sons were at home one son was at his father's business did you see that one son what were the other seven doing they're all at home no sheep is sheep father is a shepherd no father is a shepherd no If you had ever come to Kerala when I was a pastor when I have gone alone in Kerala you would have been very surprised to see me I'm not a pastor there <laughs> My little plot ground has plenty of grass my grandfather my uncle all have cows you would have seen me on activa in the front and the back piled with grass and delivering it on the scooter you would have never seen you would have never thought this guy is pastoring a church because I'm not a pastor there I'm just a son, a nephew, a grandson. That's all I am. That's all I am. 
Why, my master, I can't carry grass. Come on. <laughs> what, did, what did your master carry? You need, to, you need to think these things. We need to be very, very careful. What we are at home, what we are outside are two different things. Two different things. Okay. There is an office. When you are in the church, you know your office. Respect the office. And walk within safe boundaries of that office. Amen. Amen. Because even if the man is not hurt, the office will hurt you. Office will hurt you. What Aaron and Miriam did was they touched the office. And God asked the question, how did you dare to speak about him that way? How did you? And that's the problem with the young people. When Elisha came, the mantle has fallen upon him. Now he's not Elisha, the one who poured water on Elijah's hand. He is now the prophet of Israel. And he came out and the young boys of the town said, Baldi, 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 Baldi. And what happened? He said, Lord, deal with them. And the bears came out of the jungle. They understood, you don't play with the office. You don't play with the office. Hmm. So we need to understand these things so that we understand. Everything is an office given. There is a man and there is an office. So when God says, honor your father and mother, he's talking about the office. He's not talking about the person. He's not talking about the person. He's talking about the office. That's an office I gave. Honor them. Honor them. You don't have to obey them. When you are old enough, you don't have to obey them. You have to honor them. Okay, because obedience and honor are two different things. Because these are questions which I face all the time. Because if you're going to obey your parents after you're an adult, where will your obedience begin? Where will your obedience stop? Father says, don't get baptized. Will you obey? Father says, don't go to church. You're an adult. Don't go to church. I don't like the church you go to. Will you obey? See, if obedience is obedience, you have to obey in everything. Right? If it's a blanket obedience, you have to obey in everything. But if it is not that what God is intending, as children, yes. But adult children, honor. Honor. Dad, that's why I always are very clear. Whenever I had situations like that, I will use my words carefully. I will make it very clear. I'm informing you. I'm not asking for permission. Because you have an office, I have a responsibility to inform you. Meaning, whether you say yes or no, my decision is made. But because you hold an office, it's my job to inform you. I am not asking for permission. That stage is gone long ago. Okay, but I will honor. This is the difference between honor and obedience. Honor and obedience. Please understand, because sometimes we don't. We got a we got a warped sense of understanding because we don't understand how scripture works. Okay, oh, scripture okay. works. Otherwise, can you imagine Jesus' ministry would have been run by Mary? Half the world it is still being run by Mary. <laughs> <laughs> Though he tried to correct it at the age of twelve, they still haven't received the correction. <laughs> she's poor thing. She's still. She has no clue. But she is not responsible. She, in name, is still running the church. <laughs> 
These are all pagan ideas. What does Hinduism say? Father is, Father is God. Father is God. Jesus says no. Only he is God. Rest are offices given by God. Honor, obey God. Him only you shall serve. The minute father becomes God, he becomes a source of worship. But the answer Jesus gave the devil is that him alone you shall worship and him, serve. Him alone he shall serve. Okay. Yeah. So you have to be very careful about it. We don't worship our parents, we honor our parents. <coughs> we serve our parents, but we obey God. Mm. We obey God. And whenever there is a conflict between God and a parent or an authority, then we need to Say, like the apostles said, should we obey God, should we obey man. But wherever there is no conflict, go with the flow. Amen. There is no conflict. Yes. There is no conflict. It is a joy. Mm. It's a joy. Okay. My mother calls me sometimes pastor. I get embarrassed. You don't call me pastor at home. No, you don't have to call me pastor at home. You call me the way you always called. Church. You call me pastor. I'm I'm good with it. Oh, you don't have to call me pastor. Why are you calling me pastor at all? I'm not your pastor. I'm your son. Poor thing also gets all mixed up. It's all new for her. No, so sometimes she'll ask me, "What does pastor want? <laughs> what does my son want?" You will need to be very very careful. No, we need to learn to love this. Let this out. You know. But please get this straight. That is by far the most balanced answer that I have ever heard in my life. <laughs> About how to balance both. I learned. I, I, I look back and I look back and I, I think. I look back and I think because unlike my other brethren, uh, I was the only one who spent most of most maximum time with my father. Because others were in my sister. You met her. She was an all in boarding school from class two. So oh. they. Yeah, all of them in class one class, they never saw their parents. They saw them once a year. So they have no real attachment with their parents in to say they couldn't, they, they can't say they were brought up by their parents. I was, they were not. So I had this, this thing about certain things that stick, like when you, you see your father is a disciplined man. Like I said, no. Yeah, I mean, his witness, not his words, his witness, his witness, okay. One side he was alcoholic, but that he went down the road <coughs> later. Or other side, he was a different man. And that left like, about his punctuality, about his dress codes. My God, in that God-forsaken country, 400 years away right. from civilization, he wears a tie, his shoe has to shine, and nobody in the town wears a tie. So if you see my childhood pictures in the album over there, he's wearing a tie, I am wearing a tie. You know why? Why I wear a tie? Because he's wearing a tie. He's, he's a strange man. In, for his times, I think sometimes, I mean, God doesn't make a mistake, but he was very righteous man. Very, very righteous man. And he was not a believer. He was a righteous man. The thing is that I, I always tell, you no, know, I've never, I can, can't say it for myself. I have never seen him in my entire life looking at another woman. Wow. Never seen him looking at look at. Though all around him were young, pretty teachers, he would never look at another woman. Okay. You look at that is woman. a witness. That's a witness. Mm. And I'm telling you, those days principles were king. 
the whole thing is yours you build you construct everything the principal does he is everything meaning funds is coming from the central government to do all this you know when he retired what he brought home one suitcase on one one small table like this that was his entire thing he brought he brought nothing he never made anything he never took one pie out of place an absolutely righteous man all he gave us he gave us edu- he valued education and he said you know what i'm going to invest in the education of my children so you saw that witness you saw that witness before you you know and i remember statements he made i remember in class 5 one day when i was getting out of house one teacher was saying something and he turned around and looked at the man and he said you know matt man makes money money doesn't make a man i can still remember this this must be 1973 or 74 i can still remember that statement i was was a young kid 74 or something and i couldn't understand the depth of the but i knew the man was taken aback so it clicked it is something later i understood the meaning or how deep that me that statement was that man makes money don't like make money make you okay now think about it that's a witness and he looked what yeah, he lived he lived it that was simple frugal life very simple life you know what eight three meals a day and has to be the three same three meals didn't want variety but he wants that thing and he was healthy till he died if he had it drunk he would have been alive today and he would have appreciated my word more than anybody else because he was already a righteous man by the law <laughs> oh lord honestly he was a righteous man under the law blameless under the law except the fact he was drunk he used to get drunk and that also you know how many years he, because bhutan is a different country when admission time people bring gifts and gifts and gifts they brought cartons and cartons of beer and liquor and everything dumping over there and this man doesn't drink so he gives it away and somewhere down the line he opened one and drank and then he went out okay but he left of all his five children he left his imprint on me and i was the one called to ministry but in so many ways he trained me mm. his life trained me you know but when he got retired and he was alcoholic i all i had was compassion and sympathy for him i realized he's helpless he doesn't know how to light the gas he doesn't know how to make chai he how do i leave him there and pursue my career i just can't do it you know what I'm going to do this I'm going to do what I can do for it until arrangements are made okay I, I simply couldn't do it and that was my witness that's all I mean I didn't even think about that as witness it just naturally came just naturally came did everything for him including washing his clothes everything I did before the weekends I did all that stuff for him and all he did and he was very happy he was very happy you know and he got saved before he died So to all the young people and the old, not that we are all, we all made lots of goof-ups. Mm. But on the process, we learned. We don't ever think we led perfect lives. No, only Christ did. We were all sinners saved by grace. But on the way, we learned lessons. And we learned to practice it. Now we learned lessons. The thing is that, I will tell you the simple thing is that, then when things happen, There's no regret. There is no regret. Yes, amen. That's no right. Regret. Your father died. He died young, 64. But there's no regret. You miss him? Yes, there is no regret. Because you knew what little you could do for him, you did for him. 
as a son you did you did for him what you did i knew he loved reading so sunday after church in hyderabad i go to abits pick all the books which he like collect it and keep in my hostel then when i go for my vacation it is all the books for him what i could do things for him no we didn't have money but we don't need money no we don't need money there are other things which we can give so wherever you are you know like i can tell people who are going through marriage problems separated divorce and all say you know what you do right you do what is right in your marriage even if it breaks up you will be able to leave without regret mm. your children may be rebels may end up as rebels you do not know but if you do what is right you may grieve over your children you don't have to say like david absalom absalom i wish i had died in your well, place mm. i don't have to die in your place i did what was right by you you choose choose your own way but i have no regrets you should be able to say i have no regrets i tried to live in the light of what i knew i tried to be the best i was not comparing myself with anybody i was just trying to be true to this so you know what when bad things happen in your life you may grieve but there's no regret i wish i had done better no no regret. i did the best i could now can i do better of course now if this was transported back into the past i can do better why because i have learned better mm. learn all of us in anything yeah. you can we can do better much, if much, we could much, be much better, better. <laughs> but that's okay god says i'm not judging you by what you know mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. i will judge you by what you knew then yes that's okay lord that's all it's no that is what the bible is talking there's no condemnation is understand roman say it one there is no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus there's no condemnation but try to live a life without regret that you did well by the people that's even in the church our church people left and all kinds of things people did and one of the things which god asked me to do and i have done it three four times i visited people I heard this is what they did this is what they said I didn't I just went to the house said oh pastor this thing chai this thing and all and I said uncle or auntie I just have to ask a couple of questions he said okay he says what is it have I ever done any harm to you and he said no have I been a blessing to you of course thank you I'm living this out of your own mouth let it be your judgment I have been harmed you I've only blessed you so if you talk ill about me no regrets no regrets if you have harmed me tell me i will apologize but if you say i have been harmed you you talk ill about me it doesn't matter <laughs> it does not matter. i did it with people right went to their house and i said okay the different ways of confronting you confront them with their own words have i harmed you no have been a blessing have been a blessing i know that i've been a blessing to them have been a blessing you've been a blessing okay, thank you okay. i just wanted to be very sure that i haven't harmed you and i've always blessed you that's it i'm living okay how to live life without regret okay how to so you know what happened is that the main thing is that we can live life without unforgiveness we can life without bitterness because bitterness is one of the most dangerous things in the life the bible says the root of bitterness by which many have come short of the grace, grace of god. god 
you should never be short of the grace of God. Mm. And one of the things is that bitterness comes in. There are ways you can live your life. Otherwise, Jesus and Paul and all should be the most bitter people on earth. Only blessed people. And everybody abandoned them. They were not bitter at all. At all. Life flew from them. And they expected it as natural. Yes? We shall pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would teach us. Teach us, Lord. We all goof up. We all have made our mistakes, but Lord, you are teaching us how to learn from our mistakes and how to be the best we can be in you, to be a blessing, Lord, and not to harm anybody, Lord, deliberately, knowingly harm anybody, Lord. We are not competing with anybody. Mm. We are in this race. It's a race marked out for each one of us. We complement each other. We help each other in this race. We are not trying to steal somebody's crown. It cannot be stolen. Mm. So help us, Lord. Help us. Even the pastors who came today, Lord, sometimes it is discouraging to see that. Oh, Father, after so many years, some of them haven't changed. But Lord, you were patient with the generation of Noah year after year after year after year. Nobody heard the message. Nobody bothered to change. But you were patient. And you are teaching us to be patient because some of them could still turn around and become men after God's own heart, O Lord. Oh, Father, help us, Lord, help us. We just want to be grateful. Another week is ending today. Tomorrow a new week begins. Help us, Lord, to begin in your presence and to end the day in your presence. Speak your peace and your rest to everybody's life, Lord, who is listening. Your peace, your rest. Let them forget the things of the past and run the race that is set before us. When we think about the past, let them have joy and not regret. Amen. And peace about our past. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.